Well, good morning again, church. I hope that you are ready for a word from the Lord. If you're ready for a word, type in the comments. It's time. It's time for a word from the Lord. Grab your Bibles. If you have your physical Bible, you get bonus points today because I just feel so good about flipping these pages and being able to move throughout a physical Bible. That is such a gift to us. You can write some things down if you have that opportunity. Do me a favor, especially if you are on Facebook, go ahead and share this service. Share this service with your friends list because I believe God has something that God wants to say to each one of us. And before we get into the message today, I want us actually, as we're talking about God's speed, to do the opposite and to pause. I want us to take together a collective deep breath. So pause from whatever you're doing, even if you're flipping pages to the text, it'll still be there after you stop. I want you to pause. I want you to put both feet flat on the floor. I want you to, to lift your shoulders up. And I want you to take a deep breath with me. Will you do that? Breathe in. And exhale. Hmm. We are bringing so much into every day. We are bombarded with bad news. We are bombarded with the cares and the pains of life. And perhaps just like me, you are the, you are the person who has had a difficult week, who has had a challenging week, who has had a week where things have looked a little bit confusing and uncertain. If that is you, I want to hold space for you and say, I see you, God sees you. You are valuable and God knows exactly what you're navigating. And the uncertainty and the confusion that you feel in this moment is not insignificant to God and matters deeply to God. And so as we pause, let me encourage you to never miss the moments to be still. There's so much that is pushing us to move quicker, move faster, to move with speed, to move with pace. But let's slow down sometimes. And let's pause and breathe deeply, release some of the stress and the pain and the burdens that we feel and relinquish those back to the one who has ultimate control over them. And I know what it feels like to stop. I know it feels unnatural in our world that pushes us to go, 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 pushes us to keep moving, pushes us to constantly be productive. But first, we are human beings, not human doings. We are called to pause and we are called to be embodied. What does it mean to be embodied? It means that we feel, we don't just think. We're not people who separate our emotions and, and push aside our feelings so that we can retreat to our idea of faith. That is not godly. That's not spiritually mature. It's spiritually immature. God has called for us to lean into our feelings and our faith. And God has called for us to feel and to be embodied. And so I encourage you, whether you're young or you're old, pause. Whether you are well off or you're struggling this week, pause. Whether you feel like you've got it all together or you have no idea what tomorrow is going to look like, pause. And acknowledge that there is a presence and a power greater than you. There's this Howard Thurman quote that I want to read. And Howard Thurman is one of my favorite theologians, the late, great Howard Thurman. And he said this in one of his books, it's one of my favorite quotes. He says, in the stillness of the quiet, if we listen, we can hear the whisper of the heart giving strength to weakness, courage to fear, hope to despair. In the stillness of the quiet, if we listen. 
God is at work, not just in the big bombastic breakthroughs that we expect for God to do. God is at work, not just in our productivity, our hustle, our bustle. God is at work in the stillness of the quiet. So if that's you, and you feel like you need the stillness of the quiet, you feel like you need some of these burdens and weights to be lifted, will you lift up your hand or you can stretch your hands toward whatever screen you're watching this on? I want to pray for you because I sense that there is such heaviness and burden and God desires to lift it. God desires to give us a reprieve and a pause in this moment. God in heaven, we acknowledge that you are the great high priest and the great high priest is making intercession on our behalf. And so, Jesus, we come to you right now and say, we have burdens, we have cares, we have trials, we have tribulations, we are in pain. We are honest about that because our lack of honesty does no one any good. So God, right now, as only you can, would you lift the burdens? Would you mend hearts? Would you pick up broken pieces? And God, would you move upon your people to feel the stillness of the quiet? And when they feel the stillness of the quiet, they will hear that your spirit has been working all along. Hmm. I pray for those who don't know what to do. God, would you help them? Would you make it clear? Would you calm their restless soul? Would you pause their frantic spirit? And it may feel uncomfortable for us to pause, but God, would you teach us the beauty of how you move in the silence? Hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The stillness of the quiet. Wow, I feel that. I felt that. My, my, my. Well, our text today is found in Genesis chapter 40. Genesis chapter 40, I'm going to read just three quick verses here in Genesis chapter 40. And I'm going to read out of the NIV translation. And Genesis chapter 40, obviously, is the story of Joseph. And we talked about that a little bit last week. We're going to continue that today. And starting in verse 21, it says here in the middle of the story, it says, He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. Verse 23, very important. Watch this. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Last week, we've been talking, uh, we started this message series, and it's a series entitled God Speed. Type that in the comments for me. God Speed. God Speed. Divine pace for divine purpose. And we've been broaching this topic because I believe it's so important for us to remember that if you're a follower of Jesus, one of the first things that you have to learn how to do is to change your pace. You might have an idea about how fast or slow you should be moving, but we must match the divine pace that God has set for each of our divine purposes. It's gonna look different for you than it does for me. It's gonna look different for you than it does for your neighbor, or perhaps people even within your own household. But God has designed for us to slow down and change our pace. Come on, somebody type pace in the comments. Type pace in the comments. Pace is so important. And God designs for us to relinquish our ideas of how fast or slow we should be moving and to match him. And this is the statement that I've been making. When I get there is not as important as how I get there. 
When I get there is not as important as how I get there, wherever there may be. When is not as important as how. Just because my neighbor gets there before me doesn't mean that they're better off. We all have to run our own race at our own pace. So God, I want to get there the right way, not just when I desire to get there. And so the objective that we've been talking about is I want to fall in line with where God has me, not where I think I should be. I want to fall in line with where God has me, not where I think I should be. Why? Because it says in Ecclesiastes 3.11, God has made everything beautiful, as the CSB says, appropriate in its time. What a fantastic reminder for us. God has made everything beautiful and appropriate. Whatever you're in, God's going to make it beautiful and appropriate at the right time. And so I want to pause here because um, I'm going to extend this divine acceleration here. I really want to take my time because I'm not after a good sermon. I'm after a healthy heart. Do you hear me? I'm not after some fancy good sermon. I'm after healthy hearts. I want us to sit with this and allow it to change us. Because I mean this, church, we're about to enter a season of divine acceleration. God is going to close some gaps, and our hearts have to be healthy enough to handle what God is going to give us. And so I want to encourage you to to really allow God to speak to you, to take some notes, to come back and listen again, to reflect. Because I sense that a lot of us are in need of heart checks, are in need of heart health are in need of remembering what God has called for us to do and how God has called for us to do it, okay? So last week, we, we talked about this idea of divine acceleration. We're going to continue that today. Divine acceleration. Accelerating and God closing the gaps when sometimes we don't expect God to do so. And, and so what I said was that there were some characteristics and some character traits and some habits that we needed to have to be able to handle divine acceleration. Because how many know, if you're not doing it now, you're not going to do it after the acceleration point, right? You're not going to just magically step into spiritual maturity. You have to be developing and cultivating that right now where you are. So I talked about this in two key ways. We need character and we need discipline. Character and discipline. And then I expanded on character a little bit um, on Wednesday night's Bible study, which I encourage you to go back and listen to. I want to talk about number three here. Number three is extremely important. And it seems a little bit different than what you might expect when you think about character traits. But I think it summarizes the life and the message and the ministry of Joseph. I think we need soft hearts. We need a soft heart. Can you type that in the comments? I need a soft heart. Type it in the comments and declare it. I need a soft heart. We see throughout the entirety of this passage and all of Joseph's life that Joseph is in a very perilous position constantly. He is in a perilous position, not just of doing the right thing and people rejecting him for doing the right thing, but he's also in the position of minding his own business and being presented with opportunities to take a step back from what he knows he should do and people lying on him, people betraying him, people treating him badly. When does it start? It starts with his brothers, right? His brothers see that Joseph is favored in his house. Joseph is one of the favorite sons, if not the favorite son. And what do they do? They try to, out of jealousy, remove him from the equation. And they literally sell him into slavery. So imagine this, your brothers sell you into slavery. 
And then what do we see? He gets sold into Potiphar's house, the captain of Pharaoh's guard. And then what happens? Pharaoh's wife lies on him and tries to seduce him. And then Joseph pushes away and she lies on him, gets him thrown into prison. Imagine how that feels. You're doing the right thing. You're minding your own business. And that's why I think it is so important for us to remember that before we can have divine acceleration, we need soft hearts first. Take a look at Genesis chapter 40 because there's something very interesting that is happening in this passage. And there's a a tension point that I want to pull on today. And that relates to this idea of how to have a soft heart when people don't have soft hearts towards you. Look at verse one. It says, sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. Verse six says, when Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. He asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dream. So Joseph is flexing here. He's saying, I know God and I have the ability based upon God to interpret your dreams. So he receives the dreams. He sees parallel dreams, right? Parallel dreams with different meanings. So for the cupbearer, it means in three days he was going to be restored. For the baker, it meant in three days he was going to be killed. The text doesn't tell us why. The text doesn't tell us if they did something wrong, if this was just an extension of Pharaoh's cruelty. The text says nothing of that. But what does it say in verse 21? It says he restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hands, but he impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. Now, when you do a favor for someone, when you help someone out, you expect that to be reciprocal. That's not why you do it. That's not the motivation behind it. But if we're honest with ourselves, we expect for people to be kind to us in response to the kindness that we have shown to them. Am I right? We expect for there to be some sort of transactional kindness here, transactional compassion, that if I look out for you, please just do me a favor and look out for me. But what does it say? It says the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. So here's the thread. Joseph was forgotten. And many times we are forgotten too. Have you ever been forgotten, church? Have you ever been disregarded? Have you ever had people who have looked at others around you, but seem to look over you? Can I give you some some biblical truth, some spiritual truth here? Divine acceleration often comes after seasons of being forgotten. Divine acceleration often comes after seasons of being forgotten. This means That oftentimes when you feel isolated and like no one sees you and no one is listening to you and no one cares about you, God will accelerate you in the moment when you think everybody, including God, forgot about you. You know what it's like to feel forgotten. You know what it's like to be overlooked. You know what it's like to be disregarded. And what God is trying to remind those of us who have come here today and feel forgotten, feel left out 
feel as though people are not attending to them. God is here to say, I haven't forgotten about you. So you must maintain a soft heart. This reminds me so much of the story of Gideon. And Gideon in Judges chapter 6, it's something so powerful. The angel of the Lord comes to Gideon randomly, right? In the midst of great conflict and pain with Israel's enemies, he comes to Gideon and he says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And notice this, right? Gideon says, pardon me, my Lord, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? <laughs> if God's with me, why isn't God stepping in? If God is with me, why am I going through trouble? If God is with me, why am I going through pain? Where are all his wonders that his ancestors told us about when they said, do not the Lord, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us to the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Notice what Gideon says. How can I save Israel? My clan's the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. Notice what being forgotten causes you to question. Catch this. Being forgotten can cause you to forget the truth about God, about yourself, and about your purpose. It seems here that, number one, Gideon forgot the truth about God because Gideon says, well, where is God? Not remembering the fact that the reason they're in the predicament they're in is not because of God, but because of what they've done. Gideon forgets a truth about God. And how many of you know, it's hard when you're struggling to remember that God can get you out of the struggle. It's hard when you're going through something to remember that God can make a way where there is no way. It's hard for us because we feel forgotten. Not only that, Gideon forgot the truth about himself. Gideon says, I'm the weakest. I'm the least. I'm the forgotten one. Even as God in heaven is come down to give him an assignment. Gideon says, I'm going to think of myself in a way that God doesn't think about me. I'm going to think of myself in a way that God doesn't say about me, but that I said about myself based upon people's assessments of me. Because people say I'm the weakest. Because people say I'm the least. I feel forgotten because of what they didn't do or what they said or how they characterized me. As a result of that, now I'm going to look at myself in a way God doesn't even look at me. Can I, can I pause here? God doesn't look at you the way people do. God doesn't look at you the way people say. God doesn't look at what people have taken an opinion poll to say whether you're popular or worthy or legitimate or valid or gifted or worth anything. God doesn't look at you the same way. No, God sees you in the way that God created you. God sees you as worthy. God sees you as legit. God sees you as valid. God sees you as gifted. God sees you as anointed. Why? Because God created you and gave you a purpose. So Gideon forgets about God. Gideon forgets about himself. And then he forgets about his purpose. You know how I know this? Gideon forgets about his purpose because the name Gideon means hacker. <laughs> the name Gideon literally means one who hacks idols down. So God is saying, don't you remember that in your birthing, in your forming, I called you to do something. And even if people forget about the thing I called you to do, you're still called to do it. This is a word for somebody that even if people forgot that you could communicate the word of God beautifully and clearly, God hasn't forgot. Even if people forgot the fact that you could lead and administrate, God hasn't forgot. 
Even if you think people have forgotten about the fact that you are a sacrificial servant and you are a great administrator and you love people well and you make people feel welcome, even if they forgot about it, God didn't forget about it. So don't cause what they did or what they forgot to cause you to forget what God called you to do. So Gideon forgot the truth about God, about himself, about his purpose. And many of us will forget truths about ourselves and about God about what God called us to do because we feel forgotten. We feel as though people around are not acknowledging us. Can I give you some harsh news? There are going to be times in your walk with God that people will refuse to acknowledge you and forget you. There are going to be times when people who love you the most notice you the least. There are going to be times when people you could depend and count on in other seasons you can't do now. And this is interesting because this is exactly what happened to Joseph. Joseph helped others, but couldn't get help for himself. Is that you? Joseph served others, but couldn't be served himself. Are you the person who's there for everybody else? But when it comes your time, nobody is there for you. Are you the person who gives to everyone else? But when it comes time, nobody gives to you in your time of need. Are you the person who's always there for everyone else's pains, but not no one's there for yours? Sometimes in life, you are going to be forgotten. If that's you and you're honest enough to admit it, don't start no mess. I'm not trying to start nothing, but just put in the comments. That's me. I feel forgotten. I feel like people don't notice me. I feel like I'm going through something and maybe God isn't being attentive to me. God's ear is not inclined to listen to me. God is not paying attention to me or the people around me can't see me. Just type in the comments, say, I feel forgotten. That's me. That's me. Now, listen, it is so important. It is of paramount importance that we maintain soft hearts. When I say soft hearts, that means we maintain our ability to feel that we do not harden our hearts. The Bible speaks in numerous places about the hardening of the heart, and it's never good. When hearts are hardened, that means that there's no feeling. That means that God cannot work with a hardened heart. We pray whenever we evangelize or whenever we preach the gospel, we pray for soft hearts because soft hearts can be revived. Soft hearts can be shaped. Soft hearts can be molded. And when it comes to divine acceleration, you need a soft heart to maintain the acceleration that God is going to hand to you. Some of us are not able to maintain and get healthy before our acceleration, so God is not going to give it to us. God is not going to give us acceleration if we have impure hearts, because if we step into an acceleration moment with impure hearts, we're hurting ourselves and everyone around us. I don't want to be the type of person that comes in to something, walking into my purpose, bitter or angry or vengeful or vindictive. We have this theology now of vindictiveness. We have this theology of proving people wrong because they hurt us. That's not the biblical ethic. That's not the truth of what God desires for us. That's a hardened heart speaking. That's a bitter heart speaking. God desires for you to relinquish the bitterness, relinquish the hardness, and trade in that hard heart for a soft heart. And there's reasons why you need this. Number one, you need a soft heart. Catch this. Because you need to maintain the capacity to be able to trust God. You need to maintain the capacity to be able to trust God. There's something I've talked about and I've kind of 
I like to coin these phrases or terms just to give language and light to what I feel like I'm feeling or somebody else is feeling. And there's this term that I've been stewing on and writing this week, and it's, it's the trauma of struggle, the trauma of struggle. That sometimes when we're struggling, when we're in pain, when we're wrestling, when we feel like we're drowning, it can present a certain type of trauma, a certain type of pain, a certain type of triggering response from us. And sometimes the trauma of struggle can cause you, catch this, to be suspicious of God on behalf of other people. The trauma of struggle can cause you to be suspicious of God on behalf of other people. So sometimes our lack of intimacy with God isn't so much because we don't believe God, but because people's perception, people's trauma, people's harming of us, the things that people have done to us have created a blockage between us and God. Because if I can't trust them, how can I trust God? If I can't trust the people I can see, how can I trust the one who I can't see? And so we're suspicious of acceleration. Can I say something? No shame and no shade, but hear me. Some of us have not experienced divine acceleration, not because God wasn't ready to accelerate us, but because we were suspicious of it. Not because God didn't want to elevate and accelerate and close a gap, but because we were so suspicious of walking into a blessing that God gave to us. And some of us, we can't trust people. So when God opens a door, we can't trust God. Some of us, we couldn't trust our parents. And so because we couldn't trust our parents, we can't trust our heavenly parents. Some of us, we couldn't trust the person who got closest to us. So we're pushing God away. And the hardest thing for us to do is to be able to maintain our Godward vulnerability because people beat it out of us. People took our vulnerability and our openness and our woundedness and our transparency and used it as an opportunity to harm us. So now we look at God and say, I don't know if you can be trusted. I don't know if I can have a vulnerability towards God because people have harmed me so deep. Whew, who am I talking to? People harmed me so deep that I can't even be real in the presence of God. People have, in the name of Jesus, been so frivolous with their actions, been so frivolous with their words, been so frivolous with how they treated us that now we don't even know if God himself can be trusted. Why? Because of what other people did, because of how they treated us, because of what they said. And it's a scheme of the enemy to cause for us to not be able to trust God. Church, you have to maintain the strength of the muscle of trusting God. And yes, I said it's a muscle. Yes, I said it's something that has to be developed. Because when it comes to our spiritual lives, we have to remain soft in our hearts because there are times, especially in difficulty, where we need to be able to trust God fully. First thing that goes in a relationship, cause a relationship to go south, is what? Lack of trust. And a lack of trust will cause for our relationship with God to be eroded. Here's why it's so important. There's this passage, poignant passage in Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17, it's, it's giving this contrast of those who trust in people, those who trust in God. Notice what it says here. The prophet says, according to the word of the Lord, cursed is the one 
who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. Hear me. They will not see prosperity when it comes because they can't trust God. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. But it says in contrast, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Why? They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. And for some of you, this is your testimony. You have trusted God in the midst of the pandemic and have not wanted for anything. For others of you, you're looking to get in on some of that blessing. You're like, where's that blessing for me? Let me encourage you not to again look at someone else's pace or someone else's race and judge yourself because of that. Let me encourage you rather to maintain and build up the muscle of trusting God. I need my heart to be soft so that I can maintain my trust in God. It, can, I, can I give you some encouragement when it comes time to maintain your trust in God and maintain a soft heart towards God first? Can I, can I give you some encouragement? You need to remember this. I've forgotten about God far more than people have ever forgotten about me. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. It's tight, but it's right. I've forgotten about God way more than other people have ever forgotten about me. So take the times that I feel as though people have forgotten about me, multiply it exponentially, and that's what we've done to God. How does it feel for God to be forgotten? Hmm. How does it feel for God to wake us up in the morning, put clothes on our back, put a roof over our head, give air and breath to our lungs, cause our mind to function, walk us into blessings, not even to mention saving us and redeeming us and healing us and putting us back together after we've been broken. I've forgotten about God way more than people have forgotten about me. So I can maintain a soft heart enough to trust God because God maintains good disposition towards me when God doesn't have to. Hear me, church. Keep your heart soft toward God because remember, you don't deserve God's goodness. There's nothing we can do in and of ourselves to deserve the goodness of God. But yet God is still good to us. Hmm. God is still good. That's a God worth trusting. That's a God that we might not always understand, but that's a God worth trusting. Hmm. Lift up your hands right now. Say, God, I trust you. I trust you. I maintain a soft heart towards you. I remember that I've fallen short in remembering you. I've forgotten you. So God, give me the strength to remember that as I deal with people and as I deal with my relationship with you. Hmm. Yes. I feel led to pause here. Someone hasn't felt like they could trust God. Your relationship with God has been so strained based upon what you're going through and what people have done to you. God is breaking down your heart right now, removing the calluses, removing the stone and giving your heart of flesh. Receive it right now in Jesus' name. Hmm. Not just this, but we don't just need to be able to maintain our soft heart so that we can have a capacity to trust God. But number two, and, and then I'll close with this, I need to maintain the ability to love the people who forgot about me. 
I need to be able to maintain the ability to love the people who forgot about me. Can I be real with you? I'm a petty person. I'm a petty person. You're probably not expecting that. You're like, what? You're going to confess our sin? You're going to confess your sin to us right now? Yes, I'm a petty person. Pray for me. Don't judge me. Pray for me. I'm the type of person that's quick to say, I told you so. <laughs> I'm the type of person that's quick to say, oh, you, you came after me and now you're in need? Oh, okay. I'm not going to return your text. I'm not going to return your call. Pray for me. I'm telling y'all, don't judge me. Pray for me. I'm the type of person, you get cut off <laughs> on the highway, you pass that person, you're doing a little honk. Boop, boop. <laughs> I'm that type of person. God is working on my heart. But here's what happens. Many of us in our relationships, in our families, in our interpersonal growth, here's what happens. Someone forgets about us and we don't forget about the fact they forgot about us. Let me encourage you, church. Maintain your softness of heart to love the people who forgot about you, to love the people who harmed you, to love the people who turned their backs on you. Let me, let me give you this encouragement. Being petty is an impediment. Being petty is an impediment. Being petty will block my ability to speed up and accelerate when God desires. You want to know how I know this? Genesis chapter 41. Because the person who forgot about Joseph was who? The chief cupbearer. The chief cupbearer forgot about Joseph. And then it says here in verse 9, then the chief cupbearer, after Pharaoh says, I got a dream. I can't interpret it. Who can interpret this dream? Cupbearer says to him, today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. I messed up. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me in the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Watch this. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. So the same person who forgot about Joseph in the previous season needed him in the next. The same people who have forgotten about you in the previous season or maybe are forgetting about you right now might be the same people God uses to accelerate you. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten into disagreements with people and felt like our relationship fell apart, but God sent them back around to advance me. God sent them back around to say, I messed up. I got an opportunity for you. Can you walk into this? I, I didn't do this the right way. Can we advance you? Can I give you this project? Can I move you forward in the company? Can I do something for you? Because God is working on the hearts of the people who are forgotten about you, just like God is working on your heart. Don't think that they're finished products. Don't think that they are all figured out. Don't think that their book has fully been written. They're just in one chapter themselves, just like you. And if God can maintain goodness toward me, God can maintain goodness toward them. And if God can do that, so can I. Can I encourage you to let it go today? You're thinking of people right now. This is how the brain works. The second I said offense or the second I say someone who harmed you, you thought of someone. Because that's how pain works. That's how our mind works. That's how trauma works. We're triggered because we immediately think about our pain. We're attuned to it. We're in tune with what is harming us. Let me encourage you. 
let it go today. Because you never know that if the people who forgot about you in the previous season might need you in the next, and God might be calling you to let it go today so that you can serve them tomorrow. But I already served them, and they forgot about me. I already came to their aid, and they left me in the lurch. Remember how many times God came to save you, and you forgot about him. Remember how many times people have served us even when we didn't deserve it. Remember how many times we have been blessed with blind blessings we had no clue who gave them to us. Surprise enhancements, surprise gifts. And God is saying, I want to give you such acceleration so that one day you can serve everyone, including the people who forgot about you. Let it go today. It does you no good to hold on to it. It does you no good to keep an account of it. It does you no good to cling to it. Someone's letting it go right now. I feel it. It does you no good to hang on to the hurt. But let it go so your heart can remain soft. Let it go so your heart can be challenged. Let it go so God can accelerate you. And could it be that for some of us, we're not experiencing divine acceleration because we haven't let it go yet. I can't let someone who has an impure heart, I can't let someone who keeps records of wrongs be accelerated. Your purpose is too important. I got to wait for you to deal with your stuff before I can put you in the position to accelerate you. Lift your hands. Lift your hands right now. And say, God, I let it go. Type it in the comments. Say, God, I let them go. I let them go. I let it go. I let the situation go. I want a soft heart. I don't want anything to block what you have called me to experience. Right now, somebody needs to just lift your hands. You might need to say that person out loud and speak a blessing over them. Say, I bless them right now. God, would you advance them right now? God, would you deal with my heart? God, they might have hurt and harmed me deeply. But God, would not I not hold on to that and cling to that and make it a part of me without realizing, God, that you're going to heal it? Father in heaven, I pray that you would heal, that you would give us soft hearts. I pray for every single person who has been forgotten about. Every mother, every father, every child, every single person, every elderly widow every person from the margins, every person who has been shunned by the church. God, I pray right now that you would maintain our softness of heart. You would help us to break off the hardness so that we can be accelerated into what you've called for us to do. God, I pray for healing. I pray for reconciliation. I pray for restoration. I pray for restitution. God, I pray that there is a dramatic change. And as you close some gaps, that we'll be healthy enough to handle it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. That's what it means to have a soft heart, church. And if you want to be accelerated, you have to have a soft heart. Not just character, not just discipline, but maintain a healthy heart. I love you, church. We'll see you next week. Well, church, I hope that that word and worship blessed you. I hope it challenged you. I hope the seeds of the gospel were sown deep in the soil of your soul so that you can bear much fruit. We don't just believe in making decisions. 
We truly believe in making transformation and discipleship. So if you made a decision for Christ today, I hope and desire that you would reach out to us, that you would type home in the comment section of Facebook or YouTube. We genuinely want to reach out and talk to you and encourage you and walk with you on this spiritual journey. And when it comes to salvation, I just wanna make this clear that it is just a prayer away. That the Bible says that if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, we will be saved. And salvation is the most important decision you can make, the decision to follow after Jesus. It's not just a momentary statement. It is a lifelong commitment. It is a heart transformation. And so if that's you and you desire a heart transformation, it is as simple as lifting up your hands and saying, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've gone against your way. God, I desire to follow after you for all of my days. I desire to lift up Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And I know that Jesus will change my life forever. It's as simple as that. You don't have to use my words. There's no power in my words. The power is in the confession and in the belief. And if you prayed that prayer, again, type home in the comments. We would absolutely love to talk with you and walk with you along this next stage of your spiritual journey. Thank you again for tuning in. If you did not have the chance to give, I want you to click the app uh, link or the giving link up in the description or in the pinned comment, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube. That'll take you directly to places where you can set up a one-time or recurring gift if you wanna sow into the kingdom. There's no compulsion. We're not trying to scheme to get money out of you. That's not our desire at all, at all. We just believe in giving and in generosity because it reflects the heart of the kingdom of God and also so that ministry can be done, true ministry can be done as well. Well, church, I hope to see you next week here at the NBCC Online Worship Experience. Same time, same place, we are going to be here, and I know that God is going to meet you. I pray that God stays with you, that it's not just here on a Sunday morning, but I pray that God stays with you throughout the week. I speak blessings upon you, the power and the peace of God upon you as you go into real life now. Go and apply and do what God has taught you today. Well, this is Pastor Tyler, and on behalf of our entire team, thank you again for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Be blessed.